0: Higher, higher, baby Can you feel it, feel it, feel it Can you feel the same vibe that I know? i I'm it. so high yeah. We gonna making it feel yeah. that it's way Roll let's smoke, yeah. I got to get high I've been high since the last oh. song And i just been smoking and smoking Another black, pull another up. You know that we can really ease your mind. Every time didn't know how they smoked. If everybody smoked a blubberly, mind, the world could be a better place. If everybody took a break, then we all just get wasted. Smoked out, choked out, choked out, pull another.
1: Oh, good afternoon. You're listening to Cannabis Corner on WNHLP 103.5 FM. Broadcasting live from downtown New Haven and our homes. We are streaming live on TuneIn Radio and New Haven Independent.org, also Greenhaven Media. We are also streaming live video on Facebook. Just go to your Facebook.com/slash New Haven Independent. Go to your Facebook page, look us up and hit see first. And you can get to see all the great programs that we have here on WNHHLP. Well, it is Monday, September the 26th, 2022. I'm your host, Joe Lachance, and I am joined here by my co-host, Uncle Lou, Lou v- Luis Vega the Third. How are you, Uncle Lou, today?
2: Hey, how's it going, good brother? I'm doing all right, doing all right. You know, just powering through, keeping on in the battle. It's actually Yom Kippur, so um, Happy New Year to all those that follow in the faith of the tribe. So, uh, Yon Kapoor, pushing forward in that. Joe, also, would look forward to hearing an update about how you're doing out there in the Isla. I'm doing well here as we keep pushing forward. I got the kids hanging out. We're working. You know, days off of school don't mean days off of work, but um, I'm looking forward to a great show. Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm sorry we missed our show last week. I was really looking forward to the interview of Blue Dream Radio. But I did have them rescheduled for we are rescheduled, October. And let's set. talk
2: about that. You know why as we go in, we didn't have a show last week because the island was hit pretty heavy. And that put a lot of strain on communication, on power. And you were literally going through the the uh, trials and tribulations of being out on the island. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it was quite an experience. Uh, it was my first heavy tropical storm out here. I mean, we get storms every now and then, but this was the worst. Um, it was it, you know, the dude, the storm lasted almost three days, with probably the heaviest day being Sunday, and um, it was a ton of rain, a ton of wind, um, and You know, interestingly enough, the small island that I am on, Vieques, one side of it got hit pretty hard. The other side, which happens to be the side I'm on, got hit, but not as much destruction. And of course you heard, so we got lucky because we're kind of in the middle there right before the main island. The main island though, I was only out of power for three days, which is pretty good. You know, you would think they would restore power to the smaller islands after they restored to the big island, but the big island sustained much more damage than we did, especially on the south and the west side. I mean, I'm sure you've all seen videos of the uh, the bridges being washed out, the, the roofs flying off, the cars being washed away. And that stuff all did happen. Um, it took six days for them to get the power up in San Juan. So you know the grid took a big hit.
2: So because- Joe, the, I guess this, the topic here is most people here in the U.S. did not know about that unless you're somebody who's directly affected. Um, I guess one of the big controversies that going on is there's maybe 60 seconds about what's going on on the island and they're still doing news coverage about the Queen. So, yeah,
1: yeah, that is true. I mean, obviously, I don't get to see what they're covering on the news in the States, but I did hear that. And it's a real shame because, you know, this island has always been treated kind of like a stepchild, you know as well as all the other territories. I'm not saying they're, they're treated any better because they're not. And um, fortunately, they, they did come down, a, a representative from FEMA did come down to look at the damage. The New York City governor sent down a bunch of cops today because apparently there has been crime. But yeah, the fact that it wasn't really covered is kind of disturbing. Because there was a lot of damage, you know, and this hurricane itself is still going on. It's creating havoc up in Canada and Nova Scotia. And this is the same storm that hit us. And, um, you know, it is a shame. It really is a shame because right now, half the island is still without power and nobody's really talking about it. You know, nobody's really talking about... And this is where
2: businesses... The largest part of this is that Luma is is the... uh, So for our listeners who are kind of wondering what's going on and (laughs) what ended up happening a couple years back after Maria, there was a lot of it. uh, There was definitely found out the infrastructure on the island was really tough and old and outdated, antiquated. And then they privatized the power companies. And when they privatized the power companies people that had been working for the the public utilities, public works, you know, right. our utilities are public. Um, so who, who those who were working for them, their benefits were not going to be respected or absorbed. And everybody had to start brand new. Um, what ended up happening is that Luma ended up with a, a lot of low wage jobs with underskilled employees with no training. And they've kind of, kept a minimal level, level of service with a very high high amount of charges. Yes. Um, so where electricity is very expensive at the same time the, the infrastructure is not in place. and we see that throughout the US in smaller towns that are that are still a little bit back in the date and then we don't necessarily see that now in the major metropolitans. And, you know, when you move into the space, you can say San Juan is a major metropolitan of Puerto it's Rico. It's the capital city, yes. And, you know, a lot of infrastructure is still very, very, very antiquated, and it's old, and we're using power lines that we know that this isn't a storm area and hurricanes, and now when infrastructure is being built, this is when we talk about putting power lines under the ground but this creates a this is a plan that puerto rico has been working on you know anything for energy is a huge thing but let's talk let say a large-scale cannabis cultivator comes in a um, couple dispensaries and they they decide hey we're gonna do infrastructure upkeep they can literally get some roads repaved and put the uh but the power lines, bury the power lines during that time, you know, now we're doing subterranean bury, uh, lines like they're doing nowadays to avoid the that, that issue, you know? Yeah,
1: right. So, yeah, what happened on the island is you you pretty much nailed it. The governor, the new governor, you remember they threw out the old guy because he yeah. was corrupt, because he took FEMA funds and because he misappropriated it and got caught. So the new governor decided to privatize not only the electricity, but the ferry system as well, because, um, you know, obviously it was just costed too much, I guess, for the municipality to run it. And I'm sure they got a good deal. But the thing that struck me is this is a Canadian company. This is a Canadian company, Lou. Why was a Canadian company brought down to Puerto Rico? to take over the electricity and and regard, and you know, they have done nothing to improve the infrastructure since Maria, right. barely so, anything. And they've gotten so, tons
2: of FEMA money to do it. Oh, tons of FEMA money, tons of private money, absorbent rates. It's another bidding war. They bid the contract, they want a contract. And now that's where it's going, Joe. And that's where there's a lot of stress that comes along with it. And it sounds, crazy where we talk about the way our media and everything works but none of this is being covered on the main island and it's you know it's bad publicity or if it's not important to people because it's just the island but you know we're finding more and more the idea of revolution as we'll talk about it on every state you know cultural revolution and how we fight for everything that's starting to get to those areas where in Puerto Rico you you know there's a lot of self-sustainability that has to go on especially with no power no electricity and you know, we're talking people that can't use the bathroom or toilet in their own place for a week at a time, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And, and it just seems like the states, they just don't care. They'll keep throwing money down here. But the thing is, you know, I don't know if you know about the Puerto Rican government, but it's like systemic yeah. corruption. It's, it is it's systemic, it's systemic it is corruption. Itself.
2: You know, because now you will get it in and now the representation comes from only certain parts and the money will only go to a certain part of Puerto Rico. You know, everybody talks about the West Coast of Puerto Rico as that's where the expats mostly end up. And, you know, that's that Hincón area. And anybody who's listening to this on Cannabis Corner, the reason why we talk about the islands and different parts of America is because, hey, cannabis is everywhere. We got cannabis. We got
1: a great cannabis program here. Of medical program, the medical program here blows the Connecticut program away. There is no no MSOs here, and it's
2: all this devastation. I believe there is some solution from the cannabis industry. I believe that, especially in the island, cultivation doesn't stop it as they're going through outdoor cultivation. You know, like the storm did some damage to things, and if there was, you know, checks and balances set in place, but it's not stopping cultivation.
1: You no, know? no, 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 and and yeah, I see we are joined by Jason Ortiz. I want to give him a quick intro, but I know he's got a lot to say about this this issue because, as you know, both you and him are, are Puerto Rican, and so let's uh, let's talk about that. But I just want to give him a proper intro. Jason Ortiz, coming on the air right now, is SSDP's Executive Director, and in addition to being a long-standing alumnus, Jason has been on the front line of the cannabis equity movement, and I can vouch for that. Jason is a founder of the Minority Cannabis Business Association, where he led efforts to create model model cannabis equity policies at the state and municipal levels. While he comes with extensive drug policy expertise, Jason has experience in organizing on numerous issues, including his role in director of campaigns with murder victims' families for reconciliation, where he worked to end capital punishment. And he also served on the National Puerto Rican Agenda, where he helped with Hurricane Maria relief efforts and continues to address issues of economic justice for his island. I'm going to leave it right there. Jason, how are you today? It's it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And, um, you know, me and Lou were just talking about, you know, why we didn't have a show next week, last week. And it was because obviously of the blackout here and everything. And we've been discussing the state of the island right now (laughs) and um, why there has been a no media coverage when pretty much half the island got devastated. You know, in the north side by San Juan, it got hit, but it was the lower part by Rincon, by Ponce, basically the south and the west that really got hammered and devastated. And um, and they still have no power. Half the island still has no power. And, um, you know, it's it's a problem that's been ongoing and for
3: 100 years,
1: (laughs) for 100 years and before that. Yeah. B- before that, you know, it was probably worse before that because there was actual slavery going on, you know, and, and really some really bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So but yes, yeah, since we took it over, it is it has it is still being treated, I, I said, like like a stepchild, like a redheaded stepchild. And I'm not saying any of the territories are treated any better because they're not. I have a cousin who lives in Guam and he says it's the same there.
3: I think it's treated as property, right? And so, like, if your car breaks down, you just go get another car, right? And I think that's the big difference is, legally speaking, Puerto Rico is a property of the United States. The Supreme Court said it is a part, it belongs to, but is not a part of the United States. And so, you know, I guess Biden had better things to do to go hang out with the dead queen of England. Uh, when things were, you know, really could use some leadership. It's not like the last president, you know, gave us any leadership either. So it's definitely a bipartisan uh, negligence that happens there. And, you know, it's really up to the people of Puerto Rico to, in my opinion, declare independence, stand on our own two feet, and be able to make alliances with other countries that will be more responsive to our needs. We even have a situation where, like, there was a gas tanker that wanted to come to Puerto Rico, but because of the Jones Act, (laughs) it slowed it all down. And now it's, like, just waiting for approval, which is another thing that, like, the executive branch is the one that would grant that approval. And so they could do that fast, but they didn't. And so, you know, it's a continuous you know, disappointment. And, you know, for me, as someone that supports independence, it's really just focusing on the folks that are there, what they need, and helping them understand that no matter this hurricane or the next one, the United States is not going to help us uh, start to figure out how we're going to do it on our own.
1: Yeah, I think that's what needs to happen here. Just from living here for the last two years, I've really gotten, you know, to see how, how it really is down here. And a lot of it, Jason comes from the Puerto Rican government itself. (laughs) I I mean, honestly, there's it's we're saying me and Lou were saying it's systemic corruption. It's like no matter who you put in there, the culture is just almost like, well, the U.S. is going to give this money, so screw them. We deserve a piece of it.
3: I think we should look at the Puerto Rican government as employees of colonialism, right? Like Those are the folks that are there to make sure that it continues the way it is and nothing changes, right? And so, of course, if you're in a colonial situation, the bureaucrats on the island are going to be part of the problem. They're their first line of defense for colonialism, right? And so it isn't that like the government of Puerto Rico is separate from it. Uh, It is part and parcel of it. We definitely have plenty of corruption here
1: (laughs) with all kinds of like. Oh, absolutely. They just do it a little differently up in the States.
3: (laughs) that's, That's how I see them, right, is that they are there to implement the laws of the United States and they're going to continue to do that. Then they will use that on top of that. Crises are something that politicians always want to make sure they take advantage of, and so they've become really adept at using crises and continuously creating. Crises. Oh, oh,
1: they certainly did this right here, yeah. right, right <laughs> here with this one. It's yep, so yep. blatantly Blast, obvious.
3: Excellent, yeah. And so you know, and it's frustrating to see you know that we keep doing the same thing over and over again, and yet still are not coming to terms with the fact that we have to do something different.
1: It really gave me hope a few years ago when they they ousted the governor. Right. You know, I mean, that was almost what inspired me to move there. I'm like, wow, these people really will get up and fight
0: mm-hmm.
1: for what they believe in. And it was amazing what they could do when they could all get on the same page. Right. Now, unfortunately, what's happened in the years following that is people have become kind of split on different issues. Right. You know, because sure. there's the statehood issue. There's the independent issue. Now everybody's very upset about Luma. Yep. So that's, you know, and the whole issue that they feel like this government is selling off the island pretty much. And and they are, right.
3: you know, they really
1: are <laughs> Yeah. as much as it's nice to get that four percent tax break. And I haven't taken advantage of it. I haven't become a resident. I haven't set up a business here because I just don't I don't feel like, you know, I see the people that are coming in and taking advantage of it. And they're just doing exactly that. They're taking advantage of it the island they come in and say they're going to contribute back and give back to the community and they don't they don't brock pierce just bought the w hotel here do you think he's done a damn thing do you think he's done a damn thing to help the community or do anything no no it's it's a huge problem what do you think is a solution i mean obviously for me even i believe independence Is a better option because this, especially like I say, after living here, this is its own country. Mm -hmm. It has its own culture. It even speaks majority a different language. It is its own entity and it should be treated as such. The fact that we have to buy everything from the US is just a travesty. Like you say, when boats Mm -hmm. pass by here all the times, we could be buying stuff from Mexico. We could be buying oil from Venezuela. We could be doing a lot of business with a lot of other countries, but the U.S. prevents that, causing the prices to be higher for everything because of transportation costs, you know, cause causing the the supply to be limited by what, and it's just, you know, you gotta live here. And I know, you know, to understand (laughs) it and see it firsthand, you know, just see it with your own eyes. And you're like, wow, this place has really been treated badly. What do you think is a solution? I mean, I mean, revolutions never work. The revolutions, <laughs> I believe in evolution.
3: It, I mean, but revolution in the breaking of your own chains is literally the only option available to the people of Puerto Rico. There's no other mechanism for going about liberation than forcefully, right? Like, if you try to do it through the ballot box, you can see how it works here. Ned Lamont is a billionaire, and he's the governor of Connecticut. Right. He didn't have any community investment. No, nothing. Not even political whatsoever. He bought his way to the governorship. So that is going to happen every single time. Right. Like even though they ousted Ricky Rossio, his same party got elected immediately afterwards. Pierluisi. Right. Pierluisi was the guy that he tried to inaugurate in his backyard. And they said that was illegal. And then he ran anyway and won. So the electoral process is not a mechanism under colonialism that is really feasible, right? There's the UN that could force the issue, but that takes forever, and it's not really that successful, right? Like, it takes a lot to do that, and if you look at every other nation in the world, 99.9% of them got their liberation through revolution, and so whether that has to be violent or not is another question, right? Like, we got rid of Rosario, and it was not a violent revolution at all, but taking out one head of the Hydra doesn't kill the beast. The Hydra, right. Yeah, you know, and so even the other members of his cabinet got indicted and all this stuff, right? And so I think people are afraid of dramatic change and maybe don't understand exactly like the step one, two, three, four, five 5 of how it would go. Mm-hmm. And that's where mm-hmm. I think the Benetistas haven't done a good job actually laying out that. I
1: process. think they need to be more right. organized,
3: Oh, yes, definitely more organized. And, you know, they're an establishment party in a way as well. And so they have their own entrenched elitism. And it can be difficult to get young and new voices within the independence movement as well. Mm-hmm. And so, but if you look at Alexandra Oluoro, who was pro-independence, and the independence party, if you combine their vote totals, they got more than Luisi. but we split the vote. And so they both lost. And Luisi won with like 33% of the vote. Right. 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 But when it comes to... How can we solve this, right? There's a lot of things that folks may think are a good idea, but won't actually get us there. And Mm -hmm. there are things that will actually get us there that folks reject outright. And we have to move past that. Like, there really is only one option, and that is forcing the current government off the island and replacing it with a new one
1: right and you have to have that all set up and in place it's not something you can do by the seat of your pants you know if
3: you no to. and it takes a big um machine and to get it operational you know like the system will respond to that <laughs> you know right. like if they see folks getting really organized you know the impression will increase and throughout history that's what's happened right they've cracked down they murdered independence activists they you know oh yeah and tortured um Pedro Abizocampos. And so there's definitely historical precedent for what they will do. But unfortunately, we live in a violent world and colonialism is a violent relationship Mm -hmm. and trying to be nonviolent in a place of whips and chains is unfortunately, you know, wishful thinking. Uh, It simply won't work. And we can either continue to let our people die from neglect and hurricanes and you know lack of food and water or we can do what we need to do to make sure future generations don't have to go through this and you know lots yeah. of folks have done that right there are many countries that have defended themselves from born oppressors and i don't think we would have faulted them for being immoral i don't right. think anyone would fault a slave for breaking their own chains right like is it right. a violent act yeah of course property destruction right but the situation, if it is that dire, right, requires more intense and immediate solutions, or you're just going to continue to suffer. You're spinning on the same wheel. Right, Uh, right. right, We've been here for 100 years, right? So it's not like we haven't given this other option a shot. It's had its ability to solve the problems or not. The statehood party has had their time to get statehood or not. All that has failed. And so I really think we have to just be honest with everybody that if we really want to end this, we're going to have to escalate. Yeah, and I don't here, think in group, let me, uh, ahead, Love, yeah.
2: I apologize. Just one little, I guess, caveat. Just Puerto Rico hasn't been is one of the longest running colonies in the entire world in history, ultimately. Yes, from the start, yes. From the very start. You know, to say the Puerto Rican people haven't been free to be Borinquin for hundreds and hundreds of years is not an exaggeration. Sure. You know what I mean? And I think that there's a lot of people that has Stockholm syndrome and they're like, but we can't be free. We can't be independent. What are we going to do? We're, you're you're going to survive. Just like any well, yeah. other country and any other part of the world that, you can Puerto Rico would become more vibrant. It would take responsibility for itself. It would have so many more avenues to do things. Costs can go up, down. Costs can go up. Infrastructure can be improved because now we're not withholding to just one location. The idea of actual free trade comes into play. You know the actual liberties that are dangled. Uh, so I I've always said it. It is what it is. I'm completely for independence as a country. You know what I mean? And that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's ways that it'll be able to people, how would it work? How would it do this? Ultimately, you can just claim independence and then give your citizenship to those who are claiming it within a certain window And the state, the, the, the anybody in the states would make their choices if they'd like a dual citizenship or if they, you know, there's ways to do it. It's, it's not that it's unprecedented. It's people are scared of the growing pains but don't necessarily see what's happening currently because yeah. of everything that's going on, how much land is being lost. It's, we see it, we're seeing it happen with Hawaii and that's from statehood. till now it was the yeah. newest state and you've seen the entire culture turn into a tourist trap. Yeah. Um, what's the plans for Puerto Rico at the 51st state, the next tourist yeah. trap. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, like where our culture becomes luau's and yep. not to downplay, but because they're, but we've seen it happen on residential tribal in the, in the main eye and the main, uh, Casinos. The, and then we're seeing it in the islands. What a, what, you know, what's our next independence realistically, is it, and then to connect it all to cannabis an independent country will be able to have an independent stance on cannabis. Exactly. You yep, know? Yep. What so an, is doing. <laughs> there's yeah. no reason why Puerto Rico doesn't become mm-hmm. a hemp country a, a country where hemp is 1% like most Central American countries are moving towards, and where cannabis is, is completely to them federally legal. So now it'll be legal in the country as a whole, like other countries are doing as well. Then we can even open up the opportunities for international trade because a small island. Can't sustain itself, but it'd be nice to do island commerce around you with the different nations that are around.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. No, I agree. And and I see that the the statehood has been a carrot that the US has been dangling in front of Puerto Rico for years, but it's a rotten carrot now because they've been dangling it for so long. And the other thing is the culture here, a lot of people depend on the US government for their incomes like veterans benefits and um, not necessarily Puerto Rico has its own food stamp program, but it's partially funded by the U S But so is their medical program. So I think a lot of, especially in the older, you know, the older generations they're entrenched and they're worried about. So if we become independent, then will will we lose our benefits? Will we lose that big brother, big daddy who takes care of us? Yes, you will lose that, but you can, have five or six other partners that aren't your big daddy, that aren't your your owner, that will help you. Now, You know, we know why the U.S. doesn't want this to become independent, because they're afraid of what countries we would do business with. It might not necessarily be their allies. Do you know what I mean?
3: You know, but I, I do think this is where the diaspora comes in, right? And so the way I tend to feel about it is... The so folks, mostly when it comes to folks on the island, are in a toxic relationship with the United States. Right. The United States is abusive and keeps folks in that relationship. Right. And so we've all had friends or been in those relationships ourselves. Right. It's very difficult to see your way out of it if you're, you know, relying on them for housing and food and income, and yet you still have to help that person break out of that relationship. Right. Like, Absolutely. No matter what the economic situation is we still don't want that person to be in a continuously abusive situation. And the diaspora can come and help and come back home, you know, and bring expertise where... where it's been pushed out over the island for so many times for so many years, right? And so there are five million Puerto Ricans in the states that I think if a new nation of Puerto Rico or a new nation of Borinca, which is probably what it would actually be called, uh were to happen, you would see a return home for a lot of folks. And then the other thing when it comes to like health insurance and different things like that. So if we were to become an independent nation, we could join the rest of the world with universal healthcare and solve the healthcare issue much differently, right? So, like right now, the United States spends all this money on healthcare because we have this ridiculous insurance system and all these pharmaceutical medicines, yada, 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 that is definitely not helping the folks that are actually here and got their healthcare anyway. If you ever an independent nation, we could tax, right? Like right now, we're not taxing like pretty much anything.
1: Not too so much. Only sales tax the United States
3: pays for it. Right. It's how all the other countries pay for it. And so it would be a radical shift, but I do think it, it is. We have to approach folks that can't see the way out from a place of compassion, just like we would if it was a brother or sister that was in an abusive relationship, right? Yelling at that person is not going to help. Shaming that person is not going to help. You have to explain it, be there for them when they're ready, so that when the realization or the moment happens where they're ready to uh, join the new effort, right, that there's a place for them. And I do think that's where the diaspora can come in, because we haven't been in as much uh oppression slash like just suffering from natural uh disasters as our folks on the island are really good at doing you know raising fun- money to do rebuilding and you know sending water and all these kind of things could do the exact same thing for a new nation except it wouldn't be through tragedy it would be through building together which would be a very different thing and so there's already networks around the world everywhere there's a puerto Rican, that person can do a fundraiser or, or mobilize folks and we're everywhere so i think that aspect of being sort of a diasporatic people, right, sometimes it's not mm. a picture of like what the rebuilding phase would be like. I do think it would be a grito, right? like a call to the world, all of the Puerto Ricans, now is the first time in history that we really never to come back and help and in a very serious way, right? And the government can create pipelines for those folks to come back. The other piece of it is land. If you declare we're a new country, we got to talk about who owns the land, where we go. And there are a lot of folks that own the land that shouldn't, right? The country can get that land back. Tell them to fuck off, right? And so, sorry, I swore on the radio. <laughs> and, it's all right, we get away yeah. with one. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's another piece that often there's a lot of distrust on the island because folks go back and forth a lot. it's very mixed relationships and lots of, we're talking, you know, 3 million on the island, yeah. five over here. But any new government that is coming into being, right, would incorporate those folks as a major effort to pull folks back. And I think the new government can tour the states, go to New York and Orlando and all these places. Connecticut
1: has a ton yeah, of Puerto Ricans.
3: Harford, right, New London. Bridgeport. Yeah, yeah. And So, so yeah. per
2: capita, it's Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York, Pennsylvania. Those are the top states of yep. per capita uh, Puerto Ricans.
3: 10% of Connecticut is Puerto Rican.
1: And so, Jason, now you're a, you are an organizer. You are a very good <laughs> recovering <actor>. organizer. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And I know that both of you guys have been really wanting to get a presence back down here on the island. You sure. Know? And and it is important. Like you say, I remember when they started Israel. Right. They made the call for uh, any Jewish people who wanted yeah, right to return. To
3: move, yeah. Right.
1: And they did. They came back. Mm -hmm. so you're right there is a path i think the people need to be shown and you know um we're waiting for you down here bro
3: so (laughs) (laughs) and and i think you know there's the cannabis industry there is research in biology all around the island where there's just tremendous yes possibly there right like the amount of sun that happens on the island we should definitely be exploring solar wind there's a lot of wind too right but so there's renewable energy cannabis biological science tourism you know, there's a lot of different things that I think can happen. And I do also think in the not too distant future, Puerto Rico will probably also be in a place where folks go for psychedelic assisted experiences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very healing place to be, right? Like no matter what's going on in your life, it does feel a little better when you land in Puerto Rico, but it also has some beautiful and peaceful natural environments that I think that is going to be another big part of what Puerto Rico can do in the tourism world. But, you know, another level yeah yeah that's not food right like there's also it it is a very lush island you can't grow a lot we ship a lot of it to let walmart sell it and things like that but i think there actually is quite a bit of local economics that we can there work on. and on and a significant number of unused manufacturing facilities that the pharmaceutical companies
1: left behind clients. which have been taken over by some cannabis companies
3: exactly right and so it actually does have a good amount of like manufacturing infrastructure because of our relationship with the united states and so it is one of the more developed countries in the Caribbean. And so it actually would be starting from a much stronger place than most nations when they went through their revolution.
1: Right, so, and and like you said, the resources here are, I mean, we used to have a sugar, sugar, big sugar business down here, coffee, all kinds of things that you could grow and export to other countries, including like Lou said, hemp. Because we have the sun here, because of the lushness, we have volcanic soil, I mean, you can't grow much Coconut. A, coconuts, plantains, bananas, mangoes. Believe me, I got them all in my yard.
3: I got avocados so I, mangoes sometimes. You know? Oh, you
1: after the storm, I got a box of 50 of them. So, but yeah, no, I agree and this. And especially now, since I've been living here, I have definitely become a lot more aware, a lot more educated on the history of this island and 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 through experience, seeing what the people have to live through. So I'm, I'm down and, you know, while I'm here, I'm going to, to, uh, you know, do as much as I can, at least on my small island to keep mm-hmm. it, keep the culture here. Because oh. we're even having that problem here. You can't find a rental on this island, Vieques. Everybody, there's, you know, let's say Americans come in, buy properties and then they Airbnb them out. Right. So this island has even become more of a tourist island if you want to move here you can't find a place to rent for six months or a year oh. and it's it's sad it's really sad and it's starting to happen on the main island too because you know people are coming in just buying up properties mm-hmm. because the governor is giving them that nice tax break
3: yeah but that's why when we come independent, take it all back
1: Take it all back. It we people. don't need Brock Take, Pierce and Logan for, Paul here.
3: For the return, folks.
1: <laughs> we don't need Logan Paul we'll, or personally Brock. Personally, give
3: you a colonizer's house to come to if you come back to Puerto Rico. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, absolutely. I'm down with the cause. I don't see statehood working.
3: A house and a um, hemp farm, and I think we could get people to come back.
1: I agree. I agree. Let's set that up. So, I, would go, I, I would take it.
3: that deal, right? I know Lou would Absolutely. take that deal. What <laughs> yes. to, you know, an
1: acre, you know. <laughs> an acre of land, and a small house to yeah. grow hemp. Go for us. Back second. to the George Washington days. It's a requirement. Wow. It's a
3: requirement. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like it. You have to grow
1: it. <laughs> you have to grow hemp. So all right. So we got a few minutes. I want I know that there's a lot going on in Connecticut. Sure. And there's a lot going on nationwide that you wanted to chat about, Jason. You, I, and Lou were all involved in making this plant legal here in Connecticut. <laughs> How do you feel about the way that the state has implemented the the regulations so far?
3: Like I don't know, like a Z minus, right? <laughs> like, like, like whatever the most negative review I could possibly give is like, and it is even more terrible than I like ever imagined me right? too yeah <laughs> me too. I'm,
1: I, I'm like should we have killed this bill Did yeah we do the know, right thing know, right have
3: you been having that too Robin Porter was right right so like I'll always be able to give her that and I thought about it because the same thing happened to me with medical and the thing is right like my main priority is always decriminalization right like the business side of it is uh secondary but still very important um and so that's why i still think right like i don't i wouldn't want to be fighting this again right now having to do it again next year because i don't know that it would have been that much different if we do do it we just would have had none Mm -hmm. right and so that being said though like this social equity council like the joke what a joke Wow, like cutting off public comments, failing to submit requests for money. So we just lost $1.5 million, like the way the lottery was handled. And they literally have done nothing to address anything, right? They just tell you to like, go call your legislator.
1: (laughs) And And they didn't even make the choices. They subbed it out. They subbed it out to another... Organ uh, you and, know, an, uh,
3: to connect an agency. to the federal level too, this has been really fascinating in a depressing way for me as well, because I do want to talk federal level stuff. But when we're discussing what to do on the federal level around like definitions for equity and how the equity programs will work, the the equity joint ventures in Connecticut like really throw a wrench into everything because yeah. they're equity businesses that are half-owned by an MSO. So if there's a federal program that allows for funding to go to equity owned businesses, that means Cure Relief can access the funding. And obviously, they will win that, and they'll be able to do that as much as you know their legal team will let them do it. And so, you know, I constantly have to say, "Well, that would work if it wasn't for Connecticut." Multiple yes. times, I've had to say that. And you know, like as folks with like safe banking, for example, and like all these things are going around trying to formalize what the qualifications for equity would be, et cetera, et cetera, becomes a huge problem. And Connecticut is definitely one of the worst offenders. Right. But also, you know, look at what's happening in Florida, right? The Florida ballot measure would literally just make it where current medical operators could mm-hmm. also sell to adults, like just the general population. So when you create any new licenses, it would, it would all, just give it over
1: to the medical it industry. Over,
3: and, you know, there's one company that owns like 70% True leave. Yep, exactly. And so, you know, we are seeing laws, you know, cannabis laws get perverted in ways I had never imagined while at the same time the movement is getting more and more fractured because Mm -hmm. you have to try to start a business, right? And if you're trying to start a business and find funding, you cannot be, you know, harassing politicians every day to get them to do the right thing, you know, especially when it's so difficult for that to happen. So you have to work within what's happening. And we saw in Connecticut the amount of people that contacted me and saying, hey, I wasted all this money. I thought it was going to be more fair. Like, what do I do, right? Like, there are thousands of people in Connecticut oh. that expense their savings and all for a sham, right? And so, you know, there are lawsuits happening and I hope that they are able to be, you know, successful to overturn a lot of this or stop it or what have you. Um, but yeah, really bad. I don't have, you know, uh, a good solution at this point because it's so messed up right it's like and it's going in the wrong direction really hardship, yeah you know and so it's like the moment i'm like oh well this thing this is how i would message and address that three more terrible things happen right? like by the time i could even like make a tweet and so you know it's really been so to start to the point where i just didn't participate at all like i didn't yeah, Me either i just yet.
1: washed my hands nothing
3: yeah i just didn't have the time for it you know tried to find some funding at the beginning didn't work out and so it's like you know this is I know it's going to be a hot mess and will probably drive me insane trying to navigate it. I'm just going to look at other opportunities and focus on places that aren't quite as ridiculous.
1: Like Puerto Rico. Exactly.
3: So I have a question. <laughs> sure. Because
2: because now that's a good point. But afterwards finding out you didn't have to have funding to apply. You know what I mean? Yep. Like that yep. was a kick. That was a kick in a lot of people's backside. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like nothing was very clear, but
3: I oh, don't know, it was perfect.
2: As we know. Oh yeah, as we know, I'm all we're all I didn't get a license either. So, uh, <laughs> right. So right. well, <laughs> so
3: well Puerto Rico. Right. <laughs> so let's well, do Puerto Rico. Well, I <laughs> and and I do think the way like long term, not like how we saw Connecticut, how we solve it in big picture, is going to be interstate commerce, right? And so there is the SHIP Act that came out that would allow small cultivators to ship to any legal state. And that is how Puerto Rico can win the battle, right? We can become cultivators at a much lower production cost point than anybody in Connecticut can, right? We don't grow avocados in Connecticut for a reason. Uh, And if we're able to get interstate commerce, all of these little monopolies and fiefdoms that are currently in operation will get destroyed, right? They'll get destroyed by California and Oregon, really. Right, mm-hmm. like that's going to be what comes in and wipes them all out. However, the wave of California small operators opens up the floor for folks in Puerto Rico to sell to you know, New York and Orlando places with high Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Rican populations. And that's how I want to see it. But of course, Joe Biden is the one in charge. Yeah, he to wanted level. to hit this up. Hi <laughs> buddy Joe Biden. And so the pressure that needs to happen there is a little bit different. And we're definitely not on the same page as far as like what the priority should be as a movement. With so many people focused on safe banking while we have people rotting in prison, I get really annoyed with the current movement right now of like what we're choosing to focus on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like there are people serving life sentences for cannabis crimes right now. And we're talking about protecting the banks. Like the banks of all people, like we have massive amounts of equity folks, you know, everybody spending lots of time to figure out how we can get a safe banking passed, And yet- not as much on the criminal justice side of things, which is why SSDP- well, is- I wanted to get into <laughs> SSTP, yes. Because- It's this going is- to be gathering on October 24th to demand Joe Biden release all federal cannabis prisoners. We're going to be doing acts of civil disobedience. We're partnering with the Last Prisoner Project. My good friend, Steve D'Angelo, is going to be uh, oh, okay. participating with us. Me and Steve will probably be getting arrested together, actually. And so we are looking for more folks to join us in that movement. If you're willing to risk arrest, it'll definitely be helpful. There are other roles for other folks as well. We need a lot of folks there to be doing communications work, calling the press, taking pictures, harassing politicians. And in the lead up to October 24th, because again, that's the date, that SSDP's block. you'll see it's the first post. On well,
1: October. now, will you be actually going to Washington?
3: Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Multiple times. Oh, in front of the White House is probably where we're going to do it. We have to like, you know, we'll, we'll see. We have to keep the exact details a little secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will be in Washington. We will be specifically addressing President Biden, probably throwing a little love to Vice President Harris as well, because she plays a part in um, having the president's ear. Uh, and she also played a part in putting people in prison. Uh, Lots of them. Right. Exactly. But this is something that Every congressperson in the country should be pressuring Joe Biden to use his pardon authority to let folks out of prison. Six senators already did. Uh, Elizabeth Warren led the charge with Merkley, Markey, Cory Booker, uh, Bernie Sanders, Kristen Gillibrand. And I think that's it. I might be missing one person, but that cohort already has done it. And in theory, Biden said he's working on it <laughs> was his most recent comment. Uh, and so he already promised to do it as part of his campaign promises. And he has said he's working on it. So now it's really just speeding it up. It's not a radical demand of Joe Biden to let these folks out of prison as 19 states are generating billions of dollars in tax revenue off doing selling way more cannabis than these folks sold to get a life sentence. And so I think now is definitely a gut check for the movement of can we admit that focusing on the nitty gritty business details maybe isn't getting us the traction and the power and the unity that we need to get what we really want focus on getting folks out of prison. So at least we can build a movement around something that is bipartisan, that is unifying. And then once we're able to actually unite and bring folks together, and end some of this petty squabbling, we can start talking about what federal decriminalization looks like. But right. the way it's going at the federal level is is kind of like Connecticut, right? It's like, I don't even want it to go faster. <laughs> I want it to go slower because it's going in the wrong direction.
1: Right, right, and, and it's important. I think the work that you do right now with SSDP, is very some of the most important work that's being done in the cannabis industry not only in the cannabis industry you guys are delving into psychedelics now mm-hmm. and i've noticed and that trying since,
3: to make sure that the psychedelic space doesn't repeat the mistakes of the cannabis. of the cannabis space I have right? To the time in the psychedelic space of so like oh well, we're just going to put this thing in the law that says those that were disproportionately impacted will get some money and i laugh at them <laughs> it's like right. oh, yeah if only it was that simple fam but we have 17 different organizations trying to figure this out but you think that one little line is going to make sure this happens and so there's some wishful thinking in the psychedelic space as well uh good thing i have a lot of scars to show them <laughs> right i'm like how right
1: you got a lot of battle scars, right?
3: Yeah, definitely. So, but but yes, we do. We operate in the psychedelic space and we want to end the war on all drugs, actually. We also talk a lot about the more stigmatized drugs, heroin, methamphetamine, crack cocaine, right? Because those are the ones that are really costing people their lives and are harder to talk about for most folks, much more emotional. But we also believe the folks that use those drugs also shouldn't be in prison. Uh, and deserve compassion just like anybody else. And so we didn't cover it all. They all have their own different contexts. Every drug has a different community that cares deeply about it. And we try to empower young folks, whichever one of those spaces they wanna get into, to do it to the best of their ability.
1: Right, right. And I think that's the key is that you are working with the next generation of Mm -hmm. activists and advocates. And I have noticed that since you took over SSDP seems to be more unified, and, and more together. I worked with SSDP before during the legalization campaign, and it was in New Haven, and it was the Yale crew. And, and I found that they were okay, but they seemed to be a, a little they're on their own, almost. You mm. know what I mean. But I noticed you got you were out in Oakland. You just got back from Oakland Five this morning. Yeah. You know, for a big conference out there. But you've been traveling around, and with a whole contingency of SSDP sure. folks, and and really making some big moves out there that I didn't see before. And I want to commend you for that because you know it's it's important that people like you and i we were at we're activists and all that but we're getting old and people don't seem to understand how tiring and how draining this stuff is especially for somebody like you who also works on political campaigns and and you know it it's it's hard to let tell somebody I don't want to call the legislature. I hate what they're doing, but I don't want to call them anymore because I know where it goes. You know, and I know there's gonna be a bunch of new legislators in there and possibly a new governor, who knows, but they're all the same. They all, I hate to say it, but they all can be bought. And and we saw it when we were trying to legalize that people we thought were on our side all of a sudden somehow became compromised because the money is just getting thrown around at them up there. And people don't understand why guys like you and I, we just don't want to do it anymore. We want to do it in a different way, on a different level that actually might enrich our lives.
3: Yeah. And for me, it's about, you know, doing what might actually work and not lying to myself about what might work. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's a diversity of tactics approach, right? Like we have to do a lot of things in order to get us to the place where more intense tactics will be successful. So you still gotta call reps and, you know, do your forums and like all of this, but if there's no second or third year in the mix, you're gonna lose right? And so I have to spend a lot of my time thinking, what is the second gear, the third gear, the fourth gear, and how do we get folks ready for that, right? And right. I think you know when the legalization of fight was happening, we were mobilizing effectively, right? Absolutely. Like we were everywhere. And so that we were in third gear, and then they pumped it into fourth, and we're like, we're going to slam, right? Like everybody for being, you know, a sellout or whatever it was. And, you know, it It threw folks off for a minute at the end. There enough where they could like pull some shady stuff. But I do think we can take, you know, inspiration from when we did get the equity and normal folks and made sure that homegrown was part of equity. That was a very strategic and purposeful decision that we all made together that brought everybody to the table in a way that nobody was expecting. And it definitely worked. And it wasn't very hierarchical, right? It wasn't at all. all this person is doing this and you have to do that right it was everybody can do whatever they need to do and you know I think at the national level is what we need I think we also saw something similar when we went to kill the states act uh in 2018 where it was just very clear folks did not want to continue with the status quo and it happened and then New York New Jersey and Connecticut came online and it was a money grab right so I think it's it's happened before, right? Like we've seen the flames of revolution within the movement and of unity, I think is really the question there. And now thinking about it at third and fourth gear levels at a national stage is where we're at. And that's again, another reason why I'm doing this big mass mobilization in DC on October 24th, because we haven't had an ability or even a moment to all come together from different you know, angles of the movement and be in presence together, in the struggle together, right? Even like the cannabis parade got rained out when that was happening. But even that sort of event is different than going to the White House and making a political demand, right? Right. That is what we've been missing is a unifying political demand where folks can put away their petty squabbles to focus on this for a minute. And so again, that's where I think now we're out of COVID, more or less, right, we got to start getting back in the streets and going back to our, you know, early 2000s era drug policy of how we did it, because we have established ourselves as like policy experts, but we don't have the political power necessary to push our policies. Right. And that's what we're missing. I need to go back to.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. Now, we only got a couple minutes left. I want uh now this the thing you're doing in, in Washington. It's mm-hmm. open to anybody, not just SSDP members. SSDP is only organizing it and running it. So I want people out there to know October 24th, it's a beautiful fall day. It's really nice in Washington in the middle of October. I want people, how do they get in touch with you or SSDP to be a part of this thing? And I want you to send me over all the information so I can continue to plug it on the air and plug it through our social media.
3: For sure. I mean, the easiest way to go to ssdp.org on the top right click on our blog It's the first blog post right there. That's the fastest way to do it. Although there's another page that has a lot of the action items on it that has different signups, right? And so one is a signup if you want to actually come to October 24th in person, you may need travel support, or you're not sure about getting arrested, or you want to do something, or, or you know someone indecent that can provide housing. There's a lot of pieces there. And there's another one for organizations to sign up to be able to get on our mailing list to be able to spread information. So there's those two signups. So 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 everyone can come, anyone that is willing to risk arrest, we will help you with the legal side of things. I will be focusing on mobilizing young folks, but everyone is included. And that's where Steve D'Angelo with Last Prisoner Project will also be mobilizing folks. And so there will be a good intergenerational effort here, right? To really bring all the different you know age ranges from really young folks in SSDP, like the Gen Zers, to myself, who's a millennial, to Steve, who I believe is a boomer. He might be Gen X. He might be- yeah, He's a boomer. He's yeah, a yeah. boomer. <laughs> I don't know. Thanks one to know one, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, but I, I, it is important, right? That like that is happening, right? And regardless of some details and policy that we may disagree with, means you both and Last Prisoner Project feel very strongly that getting folks out of prison should be one of the primary mm-hmm. things we're doing as a movement, right? And so this is a moment that I invite everyone to latch on to. I invite everyone to also harass your local congress people and ask them to pressure Joe Biden. Nobody should be let off the hook. So even if you can't come to DC, we want to do actions here in Connecticut. Blumenthal and Chris Murphy are perfect targets.
1: Oh, absolutely.
3: Right, (laughs) yeah, and so I encourage all the cannon warriors, all the folks in Connecticut, right, that we can, again, put aside some of this licensing nonsense for a minute, talk about a different aspect of drug policy, come together and talk about that, see if we can work together, Put some pressure on Blumenthal and Murphy, and that could literally help get folks out of federal prison, right? And so I definitely would like to talk to all the activists. I've been talking to some folks about trying to do something in the timing, but Blumenthal's running for re-election, and Murphy is running to be a progressive senator, just gonna run for president someday, right? And so we need to get these folks on record. And if they decide they don't wanna send the letter, let's you know turn up at their campaign office and make some noise
1: yeah we got to turn it up now it's time let you know, look in that We're last year things on
3: fire <laughs> you know like that's the thing when the government gives me no outlet for actual progress right and this is a old jfk quote right that like if you don't give people an actual outlet it turns to riots right yeah. and if you're going to continuously show that we have no outlet for effective cannabis policy then you gotta start lighting things on fire right mm-hmm. and so That's our mission as activists now, especially the more angry ones and the folks that are jaded, right, is we have to build a bigger bonfire so that they can't anymore uh, and see what happens, right? But doing what we're doing now, clearly not working. Let's maybe refocus, go back to our roots and get folks out of prison. And then from there, we'll be both more united and from a place of moral uh, clarity, right, of like what it is that we're really working together for.
1: Right. Jason, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Lou, do you have any last words? I guess not. All right. So to find out more about the event, ssdp.org. Lou.
2: All right. All right. So say goodbye, Lou. (laughs) Appreciate you all. Have a great one, guys.
3: All right. All right, man.
2: Can't wait to see you down here. DC, I will send me all over that
1: info. I'm gonna do it right now. <laughs> all right, Jason. <laughs> all right, right, excellent, man. Thanks again. Yeah. ssdp.org. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna
1: stick around.
0: <laughs> I was gonna clean my room until I got high. <laughs> I was gonna get up and find the broom.
1: Peace out but See you next week. High.
0: Uh, la da, da, my room da, da, da. is still messed up, and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, hey, cause <laughs> I got high. Because yeah. I got high. Yeah. Because, yeah. I, got high. Yeah. because yeah. I got high. La da 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 da. I was gonna go to class before I got high. Come on, y'all. Check it out. Ooh, uh, ooh, I coulda cheated and I coulda passed, but I got high. Uh, uh. La da, da, I'm taking da, da, da. it next semester, and I know why. <laughs> why, why, man? Oh, yeah, high. hey. Because I got high, because I got high, because I got high. Go to the next go to the next go to the next uh. I was gonna go to court before I got high. Ooh, I was gonna pay my child support, but then I got high. No, you wasn't. Uh. They took my whole paycheck, and I know why. Why Because yeah, hey, I got high, because I got high, because I got high.